Support for today's podcast is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com forward slash elevator. Recovery Elevator, episode 181. In between the time I would take the first drink and like wake up in the morning, it was like time traveling and I had to like wake up and play detective about like what happened Mm -hmm. in the past 24 hours. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator Podcast. My name is Paul Churchill. Thank you so much for joining us. On today's podcast, we've got a fantastic interview with Jody. She's 34 years old. She's from Detroit, Michigan, and she's been sober for 102 days at the time of the recording. Hey guys, I'm excited to announce I just launched a free five-day video course that's going to help you navigate the first five days of sobriety. Even if you've got more than five days of sobriety under your belt, go ahead and sign up for it. You're going to get an email a day with a video that's got some great tips and pointers that work for me, and I know they can work for you too. You can find it at the recoveryelevator.com website, or you can actually go there directly at recoveryelevator.com forward slash course. Another thing I'm excited about that I want to talk about before we get to the topic today is the forum, which is launching on September 1st. Yep, that's a hard date. I've been working on it all summer long. We've been getting some great topics in there. I'm excited for this forum to launch. Membership to Cafe RE will still include the private unsearchable Facebook groups, the webinars, the in-person meetups. We can pair you with an online accountability partner and so much more, plus the forum. I'm so excited for this new form to launch. There will be a price increase on September 1st. So if you'd like to be part of this awesome recovery healing process, go ahead and sign up before locking your rate. I can't wait to see you there. Oh yeah, and use the promo code opportunity to waive the setup fee. Okay, let's get started. We are now well into summer, into August, and you might be listening to this podcast while walking outside and you might be saying to yourself, damn, it's hot outside. Why is it so freaking hot? That question's actually rhetorical. We're not going to go down that route and answer that question, but we are going to answer a looming question that everybody has internally asked this question before getting sober. But now's the time, guys. Now is the time we fully dive into this question and get to the bottom of it. Are you ready for it? I know. Okay, I'm <laughs> stop building up the hype, Paul. Here we go. Here's the question. Does sparkling water hydrate you as well as regular water? I know. I know. I've thought the same thing. Well, let's figure this out. So as weather heats up and we all begin looking for delicious and healthy ways to stay hydrated, a couple persistent questions come up. Is sparkling water actually hydrating? And is it as good for you as just plain water? So when I initially started the research for this podcast episode, I was like, all right, sparkling water is soda water. Boom, let's move forward. Yeah, but actually, let's cover the nuances of this whole fizzy, bubbly water industry. You may have noticed when walking down the aisle of the grocery store that there are many options when it comes to carbonated water, also referred to bubbly water, sparkly water, club soda water, soda water, and seltzer. And despite what you might think, this isn't just a difference of a regional terminology. It isn't just the Europeans calling it still and sparkling. Well, still isn't sparkling, but you get the point. Oh yeah, and there's tonic water. What the hell is that? So there's a real bona fide difference between these types of waters. And while the discrepancies are somewhat slight, they're enough of a difference for waters to merit their own name. And it's worth getting to the bottom of. The normal drinkers, they can have their Merlots, their Cabernets, their Chiantis, their Poison. We got our water. The derivative of all life force, health, and happiness. 
Yeah, we'll take that. You guys can have your shit. So let's look at mineral water. This is sparkling mineral water comes from a natural spring, which contains various minerals like salts and sulfur compounds. It's defined by its constant level and relative proportions of mineral and trace elements at the point of emergence from the source. Minerals aren't added to this water. That's the key. That means that bubbles in these bottles are completely natural if there are bubbles in mineral water. Okay, you still with me? Let's check out seltzer water. Seltzer water is just plain water that has been artificially carbonated. This water, which contains no sodium salts, gets its name from the German town of Selza, which was renowned for its natural springs. Hmm, makes sense to me. Seltzer water was first introduced as a cheap alternative to sparkling mineral water, and it still is an economical option today. Here's where it gets good. Let's talk about the meat and potatoes, club soda. Seltzer water and club soda are very similar, but there is a notable difference between the two. Unlike seltzer, mineral-like ingredients are added to club soda to enhance their flavor. And that's the difference between mineral water and soda water. Soda water, their ingredients are added. If you look at the list of ingredients with soda water, you'll likely see potassium, bicarbonate, and potassium sulfate listed. Regardless, you could still swap one for the other without really being able to pick up the difference, but uh, with people and sobriety, yeah, we'll, we'll pick it up. We got it covered. And then we've got tonic water. Well, you've heard of a gin and tonic. We've all probably had a couple of those. You try that drink without the gin, and tonic water is also terrible. Well, that's actually a personal preference. I can't back that up with facts. Tonic water is a bitter drink, usually with the addition of quinine. Don't know if I said that right. And can also be sweet, just like you. So back to the original question. Does sparkling water hydrate as well as regular water? And when I say sparkling water, this is the umbrella term that encompasses seltzer water, club soda, and sometimes mineral water. Even simpler, this is simply water that has had pressurized carbon dioxide dissolved into it. Well, sorry guys, I made that a little bit more complicated than it needed to be. But here's the good news. Sparkling water is just as hydrating as plain water. The American Journal of Clinical Nutrition compared still sparkling water and other popular drinks like cola, juices, coffee, tea, and milk, finding that there was no difference between them in terms of hydration. This may not jibe with what you've heard about coffee and tea having a dehydrating effect on our bodies, but studies have shown that habitual coffee and tea drinkers don't get dehydrated by those beverages when consumed in moderation. Keyword, moderation. There's another question or myth that I want to chat about when it comes to sparkling water. Does sparkling water destroy tooth enamel? Good news for sparkling water fans like myself, the pH level of sparkling level at a pH of 5 is not low enough to erode tooth enamel. While plain sparkling water's carbonation doesn't hurt tooth enamel, be careful about other fizzy drinks' acid levels, like beer, which can wreak havoc on your oral health, your driving record, your marriage, finances, and life. Another myth that I've heard before which isn't true is that sparkling water leaches calcium from bones, potentially causing osteoporosis. A study in which researchers had one group of participants drink one liter of carbonated water a day and another group drink one liter of still water for a day for eight weeks, no difference was detected in calcium levels in bones. Good news! Let's explore another myth. Holding a can of Lacroix Pomplamousse in your hand instead of a beer at a party means you're going to have less fun. I searched high and low for a research study done on just this statement and couldn't find one. But I can tell you from personal experience, you're going to be the most badass person at that social event. You're not drinking the Kool-Aid. You're not going to be drinking the poison or the most addictive drug on the planet. 
And from personal experience, yes, you can have a ton of fun at these social experiences with just drinking soda water. And the last myth I'd like to explore. Is soda water with a splash of crayon and a lime wedge the best drink of all time? The answer to that is yes, all day and every day. So that, of course, is a personal preference, and I'd love to hear your personal preferences. Email me at paul at recoveryelevator.com what your favorite beverage in sobriety is. A couple takeaways in terms of sobriety with this podcast topic. First off, there are so many alternatives than alcohol to drink. We talked about just soda water alone, and we went pretty deep. In fact, for like seven minutes on different soda water options. Another one is soda water is really good for you. Our bodies are comprised mostly of water. If you're in early recovery or pretty much any day in your life and you want to be healthy, drink a lot of water. This is one of the basics in your recovery that's oftentimes overlooked. If there's one takeaway that can be applied to your recovery from today's podcast episode, is drink more water. It's going to make your recovery more enjoyable. Okay, and before we hear from Jody, let's hear from today's sponsor, ZipRecruiter. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com forward slash elevator. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done. That's ZipRecruiter.com forward slash elevator. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com forward slash elevator. That's ZipRecruiter.com forward slash elevator, E-L-E-V-A-T-O-R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Jody, how are you? Good. How are you, Paul? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us. Jody, let's get right into this. How long have you been sober? I have been sober today for a hundred Oh, no, 104 days. Whoa, 104 days, right? Yeah, I thought it was 102. No, it was 104. There you go. <laughs> nice job. And you told me earlier that's March 8th, 2018, correct? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, and before we get any further, give listeners a little background about yourself, maybe where you're from, what you do for a living, you have a family, and most importantly, Jody, what do you like to do for fun? Oh, Okay. So I'm an artist. I was born and raised in Southeast Michigan. I've been living in and around Detroit for the past 15, well, 13 years. I am a full-time artist and I have a podcast and I don't know, like, <laughs> what do I like to do for fun? I like to play music. I am an amateur banjo player. I have a dog. I like to walk my dog a lot. His name is Willie Nelson. Oh, great and name. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I make art and hang out and do the thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I'm 34 years old, and I just live with my dog. It's just me and my dog. There you go. <laughs> we, we got that in common. I just got me mm-hmm. and my standard poodle, Ben, and, and things are just okay the way they are. Just awesome. Yeah. The way they are. <laughs> and listeners, I rarely do video when we do these interviews. Uh, usually just audio to audio. And then when I connected with Jody. I was like, oh my God, you've got like a beautiful microphone setup system. And then you told me about the podcast and yeah, full-time artist. And you have a podcast about art in the Detroit area. Tell me a little bit more about that, what it's called. That is so cool. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. So I have a podcast called Detroit Craft Academy, where I interview different artists and entrepreneurs about what they do and how they got to where they are. Uh, A lot of the people that I interview are full-time artists or full-time entrepreneurs. Like we talk about what the struggles were like to get where they are, what type of things they do, what kind of current struggles they have, and just talking about art in general and living a creative lifestyle. Yeah. And you said you're a full-time artist, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. And what type of art do you do? I am an illustrator, but I actually went to school for photography, which is kind of funny. I mean, I guess when you go to art school, it just kind of all meshes in there anyways. But yeah, I went to school for photography, graduated, started doing wedding photography, and then realized that really wasn't for me because I couldn't deal with handling bridezillas, <laughs> for lack of better word. And I would come home and I would be so frustrated uh, that I would just draw so, and then people wanted to start buying my drawings. So that's where, what I do now, I travel around at different art fairs and I sell stuff online and I do freelance illustration. Wow. That is so cool. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible being able to make a living creating and just expressing your, your being in the best possible way. That's so cool. Nice job. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, yeah, I'll just ask a question now, like how in sobriety in the, in the last 102 days, how has that changed in ways to express your creativity through art? So for me, it's a little, it's been a little difficult. I've always associated the artist and I'm using air quotes when I say artist, right? As like this romanticized version of somebody that like drinks alcohol and gets creative and like goes out and does all these things. And we see it all studio flat on the fourth floor in downtown Manhattan. And yeah, you know, just like getting shit faced drunk and like, you know, making these incredible things and going out to all these like social hangouts with other artists and drinking. Mm -hmm. And I learned to do that through art school. Like honestly, I don't think there was an entire week that I wasn't drinking at art. Like I was getting shit faced and going to class and making stuff, but I wasn't the only one. Like it was everyone like, Oh man, this is what art artists do. So like, and I like have that has like transferred over through like all of my creating. I look back at some of the stuff I made in art school and back before I'm like, Oh, that's disgusting. But like now like I do really whimsical illustration type stuff. It's like kind of children booky stuff. Mm-hmm. And like now from a creative mind that's sober, I'm realizing there's a lot of stuff that I was missing that I should have been doing creatively. Like, you know, there's other things that I can think of. I don't know how to exactly put this into words. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and you're doing great, and I love the part you said about how you justify it. Everybody else in my cohort is getting shit-faced and creating magnificent pieces of arts. <laughs> That's what I need to do. Yeah, so yeah. let's actually back it up a little bit. Um, yeah, give listeners a little background about yourself and your drinking, and take you know four, five, ten minutes, however long you want, and try to include dates, uh, you know, ages in, in the background of your drinking. And talk to us about you know, when you started, what was, what was it like, and then the progression. And then did you reach a time where you tried to quit? Did you have any rules in the place? And yeah, go for it. Oh, boy. Let's see. It's, it's kind of funny to me because I was straight edge growing up, like hardcore into like metal bands. And I had like big X's on my hands. Like, no, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do anything. And like, fuck y'all that drink and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. 
you know, and then I got to be about 18 years old, I think. And I met this guy and I was like, oh man, he's pretty cool. And he's probably uh, in a band, right? He's in a band. Definitely. And he drank and I ended up drinking because, you know, dumb social pressure or whatever. I ended up like drinking and realizing like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, all of these feelings that I'm feeling are amplified like 10 times and I can talk to anyone that I want and like everything is amazing. And I just continued to drink. I think I've always had an addictive personality and I think with drinking, it just continually got worse. So like after I started drinking and dating him, like, you know, I just kept drinking on and on and on. So like when I started in art school, I would go to the bar and hang out at the bar before and after class and with my professors and with everyone around me and also like being in the music scene and hanging out with musicians and like hanging out at after parties until four o'clock in the morning. And like when I was first moved to Detroit, it was like pretty bare and there was like, like right now it's pretty built up, but I started drinking at 19 years old in the bars and I could walk into like nearly any bar and never got carded. And, you know, it was so cool. And I don't know. I never talk about myself. I'm usually the interviewer. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's kind of weird when I'm on podcasts, like, what do I do now? Yeah. (laughs) So I get it. Um, Yeah. And and listeners, again, when I saw her video, she's got better headphones than I do. She's got a better windscreen, a better microphone, a better microphone stand, a better backdrop. I got to up my game for this interview, Jody. So (laughs) I'm going to do my best. With your progression, you, you mentioned you're drinking till 4 a.m. in the morning, you know, yeah. doing the artist lifestyle. When did you first start to realize, like, wait a second, maybe this isn't all it's cracked up to be, and maybe it's not new, doing me any good? Yeah, I guess for me, like, when I first started to realize it was realizing the amount of time that I was missing. This is not my idea. I didn't come up with this. I don't know where I heard it, but, like, time travel and, like, completely. Back to the future. Thing. That's where you heard it. but like one one of them but like you know in between the time I would take the first drink and like wake up in the morning it was like time traveling and I had to like wake up and play detective about like what happened Mm -hmm. in the past 24 hours sometimes like you know I would look at you know camera photos I was like okay like I was on the roof of this building and there's that person and the time slots was like 5.30 and there's like some drunk dude passed out in an alley, like just going through this and like, I don't remember any of this shit, but it happened. Like, and then I think when I first started realizing that it was bad was, well, back up just a little bit. I was in this relationship with somebody for seven years and halfway through the relationship, he came out that he was a recovering heroin addict. And during that time, I was like learning about addiction and recovery and stuff like that. And I completely quit drinking for two years because I was like, oh, well, like if he can't do any of this stuff, I won't do any of this stuff either. Wow, okay. And then I started going out and hiding my drinking around him Hmm. and like completely hiding it. And then... When I realized, I was like, oh, God, I think I have a problem. And I started to go to AA. So what age was this? You're 34 now. When? Yeah, give us a time frame. 22. Oh, this was a while ago. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was 22, I think. By the time I was 21, I definitely knew I had a drinking problem. Like, yeah, very, one. Me too. very much. I started, I tried to go to an AA group, and, like, I would have explained my situation, and they're like, oh, yeah, you don't really belong here. You should go to Al-Anon. And then I went to Al-Anon, and they're like, oh, like, yeah, you're definitely an alcoholic. You should go to AA. And so I, well, like, walked what, away. What was the situation you were explaining? And they said um, you need to go to Al-Anon. It was just because of the relationship that I had with the person that I was with. And they're like, well, actually, like, you're you're showing a lot of signs of codependency and, like, all of this other stuff. So I started, I started reading a lot about alcohol addiction. And instead, I actually got an alcohol addiction counselor mm. um, who I've seen on and off for the past 10 years. Oh, wow. Okay. She just fired me, like, last year. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She's like, she's like, um... Yeah, you know, every single time you come in here, I don't say anything and you just sit and talk at me about all your problems and you kind of figured, you know, you kind of seem like you figured out your problems. Like, hey, yeah, but I would be like calling you and making appointments if I've had my all my, my problems figured sure, out. Sure, sure. Like, I'll just sit in front of a mirror and tell myself problems, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's cheaper at the same time. Um, but yeah, it's also, yeah, it's good to bounce it off a real life human being. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you're 22, and you mentioned you know the Al-Anon, the AA thing, filling the gap from 34 to 22. Did you have a rock bottom moment, or did you try to quit drinking during that phase? Were you sick and tired of being sick and tired? What happened? I had a lot of rock bottoms, but I don't think that I realized that they were rock bottoms. Like I've woken up in alleys. I've gotten in fist fights at bars. I've you know, just I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. But I think I never realized it was a rock bottom or never wanted to admit to myself that, oh, this happened because of my drinking. Because still, like on one half of my brain, I'm saying, I realize that I have a drinking problem. And then on the other side of my brain, I'm like, well, this is what artists do. Yeah, this is like, yeah, like I, I justified it as well. Like I'm just different than other people, you know, that that ego talking up or sure uh, a terminal uniqueness yes yeah all about so, it. oh god it's funny though because you know how i know on the podcast before you've mentioned that you've named your addiction gary he's a dick <laughs> i, I respect like, him respect the hell out of him <laughs> this you know this image in my brain started that was like god like what would my addiction look like if it was a thing and I was like thinking like you know the large Marge from Pee Wee Herman oh yes That's so a good like one. now every single time I go to like start drinking I just imagine myself with like an extra 200 pounds on me hunched mm -hmm. over the bar chain smoking with like a whole line of like beers just sure like <laughs> yeah playing the tape forward in Pee Wee Herman format and the format of large Marge good stuff yeah, I know I'm all over the place here. I'm a, I have uh, ADHD for Jody, sure. You're doing <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, if if all the interviews are the same, I would have stopped a long time ago. Yeah, yeah you're doing great. But yeah, walk us towards you. Let's get a little closer to the the time your sobriety date of, of three. Oh yeah, 2018. What happened so, then? So in between that relationship and basically up until a year ago, I had been dealing with severe depression. And so a lot, a lot of stuff that happened during that relationship, like I actually 
found this person laying in our bathroom with a needle stuck in his arm. And like, there's just like things that happened because of that. And because of my drinking, that is like been these very traumatizing times in my life. And because of that, I was dealing with a lot of depression. And so I started seeing this counselor and I never put two and two together that it was drinking. Even though I was seeing a drug and alcohol counselor, she thought I was seeing her because of the trauma that I had passed witnessed due to like being somebody that has been surrounded by addicts. Mm -hmm. When I told her that I had a drinking problem and this wasn't until two years ago, she was completely shocked that I would even had a drinking problem because she had known me for so long. So let me ask you a question, Jody. Do you think it mm -hmm. was the trauma was the problem or the alcohol was the problem? You know, it's kind I of a chicken and the egg situation. It was, you know, like I definitely, so alcoholism runs in my family very, very deep. I've had two uncles that have committed suicide because of alcoholism. You know, it's, it's full, like full throttle mm -hmm. in my family, drug and alcohol problems. So I think it's a combination of both, you know, alcohol in itself is just a liquid like that. It's not really a problem. I think like because of things that have happened and I drink it, I'm like, oh, this works. This works for me, full throttle on. This is the way to deal with anything that has happened in my life. So I actually want to comment on what you just said, that the, this works. And I think a lot of people can resonate with those two words. There was a time when I was a normal drinker and alcohol was fun and yeah, I partied. It was great. And then there became a time when this worked. And it served a purpose as a time that alcohol worked to help alleviate some pain, some from you know past trauma, and then and then it, then it stopped working, and then I became physically addicted to alcohol. Cue laundry list of problems. Um, but yeah, talk to us more about the this worked for you. Well, so like for this working for me at the time, it was like you know I've always experienced emotions very heavily, but alcohol dimmed the emotions that I didn't want to feel, and it brightened the emotions that I did want to feel. So um, if I met somebody and like we were having fun, fun was like extra fun. And if I felt like I fell in love with somebody, love felt extra more passionate and great and wonderful. And then like, you know, the sadness and everything else that came with that, it was just kind of I can deal with it. I can have a drink and I can deal with it and I can feel all of these other things. And Jody, in all the interviews I've done, I don't think I've heard it described that way, which leads me to the question of why did you quit drinking? Because if there was a magical elixir out there that would numb the negative emotions and intensify the good emotions, boom. Like what was – obviously I know like it, yeah. it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like how, what happened there? Well, you know, I, I think I just – I hit my threshold for that. Or it was like the depression kept creeping up and creeping up and okay. creeping up to the point where it doesn't matter. You know, I've, I've been suppressing this emotions, all of these things that I haven't felt for, you know, 12 plus years. And um, instead of feeling them, I've been drinking. And it's finally just reached this level where I can't keep suppressing these feelings anymore. And it's affecting my day to day so much so that I can't even function when I'm drinking. Like I would go out drinking at night and then I would come home 
at two o'clock in the morning with a beer to go from the bar. Mm -hmm. And I would stay up until four o'clock in the morning drinking. And I could like physically see myself getting sick. Now this has started like four years ago and I started losing my hair. I started putting on a bunch of weight. I started feeling shitty all the time. And, you know, in my brain, I know exactly what it is. But here's me on WebMD looking up all these things <laughs> like, oh, my God, I have cancer. Oh, my God, I have bad circulation. Oh, my God, I have this, 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 this. I can't tell you how many times I have self-diagnosed myself with everything underneath the sun. And I have gone on special diets. I have done this. I have done that. And I'm still sick. I still feel like shit. All of, like none of these problems are going away. And then, you know, I was like, I decided to quit drinking for a month because we were, you know, oh, well, if I quit drinking for a month, then, you know, maybe like I can like reset and prove to myself that I'm not an alcoholic, right? Justify and earn more drinks. Mm -hmm. Yes. I felt amazing. I quit for a month. Uh, I felt absolutely amazing. And when was and, this? A couple of years ago or a year ago? Oh, this was like three years ago. Okay. And I, like I said, I, I have a very addictive personality. Um, actually, it was in, take that back. It was in 2012, I quit drinking and I started running. Oh. And for six months, I was like, like obsessed with running. Like I spent my entire day, like everything was about running. Like when I got up in the morning, I had to know how many miles I was going to run that day, when I was going to run that day, everything else. And then cut ahead three years or about a year. That was about a year. I started drinking again and got sick again and started doing all the research again. And I was like, well, okay. Like if I juice in the morning and I add wheatgrass and then I have like the special shake and this, 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 and this, like, I can be fine and I can like not be hungover and everything will be okay and my liver will go back to normal. And I even bought like all these drinking liver tinctures to put in my sure. waters and stuff like that. So it was yep. like at one point in time I had charcoal pills in my car so that I would take them uh, when I got out of the bar so that my stuff like alcohol would settle in my stomach. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we're trying to find these external remedies, tinctures, and potions to prolong yeah. our drinking. And Jody, I like to focus more in on the on the last 102 days, and and more specifically the day right before you quit drinking. What was it, and how'd you do it? This is my second longest stunt in drinking. This time, something kind of different happened. The first time around. That I got the six months. I actually, that's how I joined Cafe RE the first time. I heard your podcast and I was like, yeah, I'm going to join. And I was like, because I'm spending money, I'm going to quit. And I quit for six months. <laughs> Good. And then I quit our Cafe RE. And within 12 hours after I wrote you an email saying I quit, I was at the bar and I was like probably 10 drinks deep catching up there, I suppose. But uh, this time around, something kind of, incredible happened. I'm not a woo-woo person by any means, but I, I recently uh, decided that I wanted to try sensory deprivation chamber floating. Okay. Uh, and for anyone that doesn't know what that is, it's um, when you, it's a tank 
and it, the tank is filled with salt water and you float in the tank uh, with and all the lights are off and you can't really feel anything or see anything and all your senses are like completely like numb and so I was laying in the tank and I heard clear as fucking day you have to quit drinking and I sat up I'm in pitch black and I just heard that voice, like this voice come and say that. And I was like, I'm alone in this room. I'm alone in this tank. I heard this voice. I don't know, like, where the heck this is coming from. I, I call it, I call it my shift in consciousness. But what that voice actually is, and I've heard, I've heard a couple um, people that I know of talk about this. It's the voice of silence. And it's when you can actually get yourself in a spot to numb or like stop feeling anything else. You can actually talk to yourself and your intuition and that voice of silence. That's like why people meditate and like you can actually get to that trance state where you can mm -hmm. get in touch with yourself, like not the ego, the self that's there. But yeah, like I heard that and I went home and I, I thought about, I was like, Hang on, I'm just going to comment my two cents on this and tell me if I'm right or wrong. Is, is You kind of just said it. Is Really what I've heard about, I've not done those those tanks, those chambers. They sound really cool, but it allows us, it gives us a good chance of being fully present and fully in the moment. And in the moment, the ego does not exist. And when we are in the moment, that's where the key to liberation is. And we can actually have those conversations with, um, yeah, with our unconscious, unconscious mind. That, that's awesome. I don't think it's kind of incredible what happened. That's incredible. Yeah. No, I, and, and it's so funny. Like I, I almost had not like wanted to tell this story because it makes me sound like a crazy person. <laughs> hey, I was talking but, to howler monkeys 10 episodes ago. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just talking to like my chamber ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I went home and I was just, you know, I really started, I sat down and I really started to think about, you know, the things that I've gone through and where I am. And I was like, you know, it's, I, I need to quit drinking again. And I really started to think of things that had worked for me. And I started putting those tools in place because I've, I haven't had a desire to drink since I was in the tank, since before I was in the tank. Wow. But um, I know that you can't keep everything the same and expect to quit drinking. Say like, that one more time, Jody. <laughs> you can't keep everything the same and expect to quit drinking. Actually, I, I was writing that down. I missed a couple of letters. Can you say that one more time? <laughs> you can't keep everything the same and expect to quit drinking. Okay. I, that, at this moment so far, that's, that's, that's the value bomb of the interview listeners. That, that's huge. All right. Keep going. You know, and I know this because like every single time I tried to quit drinking before, I was like, all right, like, I'm just going to quit drinking. I'm not going to tell anyone because, you know, I don't want anyone to know that I have a drinking problem or, you know, I don't want this or this or that. And, you know, I was just in my head. I was like, you know what? Everybody knows how much I drink. If I tell people that I'm quitting drinking, that's probably not going to be a bad reaction. So, I, you know, the first thing that I did was I told every single person that I knew. Burn the I ships. Drinking. And I was like, I quit drinking. I told my barf of tender friend who lives across the street from me that I quit drinking and it's been, everyone's been so super supportive. <laughs> I'm laughing because I 
recently, well, like a couple months ago, I went on a date and I told the guy across the street that I was going to go on a date at his, the bar that he was. So he kept like walking up and setting down all these like fancy cocktail drinks. And like when the guy that I went out with, I mean, this was like really early on in the first week. And I was like, he didn't know that I wasn't drinking. But anyways, the guy across the street from me, he like would just bring me fancy cocktails mm-hmm. over without anyone asking cut ahead to a week later the guy that I went out with like I told him was like oh yeah I quit drinking like I don't drink anymore and he's like okay cool and we were out for like 45 minutes at a museum and he's like okay cool like I feel like going to the bar so I'm just gonna drop you off uh at your house like okay like (laughs) all right yeah and there's there's the alcohol filter right there for you I imagine you're not seeing this guy anymore right no, no, no. I mean, I was asked out again, but I was like, yeah, um, I think we're like on two different paths. Totally. And, and it like, took you cool. two times to and hang out to figure that so, out. So, yeah. And I guess like, you know, like that was just like one thing that like kind of hit for me too. It was like, you know, like I'm realizing that maybe the types of people that I'm hanging out with aren't necessarily, you know, the best. And it's been, I think the hardest thing has been realizing the group of people that surround me need to change and I've I've I have like you know I do have a really great support system in place um I can't say that any of those people are sober but they're all very supportive and you know I you know so anyways I told everyone uh that I quit drinking I started going to AA and that is something that I never thought that I would do after like my first experience with AA is basically like you don't belong here. But like for this time around to make myself kind of get into the idea of going to AA, I set myself intentions. And so I had two intentions. I was like one thing in sobriety that's hard for me right now is not knowing very many people. And especially in the area that I live, there's not that many sober people that I've ever experienced where I live. I've always been hanging out at the bar with Mm -hmm. musicians or like in all these other like places. And so I set the two intentions was uh, one, have somebody walk me through the 12 steps because it's something that I had never done before. And two, to meet people. And it's been great. I still have a hard time trying to get up and like go, you know, to AA sometimes, partially because I work from home and I'm so busy all the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, that's what Cafe RE is for because when I can't hit a meeting, I can always uh, pop on the uh, good old Facebook. Yeah, it's in your pocket. <laughs> and have you found somebody to help you walk through the walk you through the steps of the sponsor yeah yeah no i did i uh i got a sponsor that i met on my second meeting that i ever went to and i was like i was incredibly shocked things of my first experience with aa and like having people fit like tell me like oh you don't belong here i was like oh gosh like what do you have to have like a certain type of like key card to get in here yeah, that's a rough like, introduction i have not heard that happen before sorry about well, you And I think, you know what it is, it's like, you know, every meeting's different. And like, that's something that, that I really had to like, tell myself every single time I go to another meeting, too. It's like, you can't let, you know, one person at a meeting change your thoughts about it, because every single meeting is going to be different. There's going to be different people. It would be like getting turned off from like, going into like, a coffee place because of some lady standing behind you saying something about a muffin, you know? (laughs) Yeah. They're all different. And a lot of people they're shut off after one meeting. So nice job continuing to go. 
And, you know, what have you learned about yourself in the past 102 days? You know, I, I think that in the past 102 days with what I'm calling my shift in consciousness is that I am trying to be open to things and just like experience things and be open to them and not trying to judge anything. And so like just being open to learning new possibilities, being open to meeting new people. I think that's like what I'm learning to do and learning about myself is that, you know, I've, I've set such strict boundaries for myself in the past years, like having to live a specific way and like kind of like, you know, you, you always have to look a certain way and you always have to act a certain way and da da da, da and like just, you know, I don't, you don't have to like I, I'm I'm being more open to other possibilities out there because there's if you, you structure yourself in such like a tiny little box, you know, think outside the box. <laughs> well, also, what I'm hearing there is you're being open to not pleasing everybody. Yeah, no, totally. And I think like that's that's actually definitely a big thing that I've always, you know, always tried to be a people pleaser. That's maybe just like built into my DNA with the type of uh, upbringing that I have. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah. And, and Jody, I want to ask you about you earlier in the interview, you mentioned depression. A lot of us have experienced depression, you know, sometimes in recovery and a lot of us before we could quit drinking. In fact, episode 118 was about my experience with depression. How has the last 102 days been with your depression now that you've removed alcohol from the equation. Mm -hmm. And we all know alcohol is depressant. That's really not any breaking news for anybody who's listening right now. But yeah, just talk to us about depression and where you're at now with it. Yeah, I still suffer like a lot from depression. Like guess actually like especially this week and like yesterday I was kind of dragging my feet like, oh, like I don't really want to talk to anyone or but I just you know, before I would turn to drink drinking to like, I just I just can't feel like this right now. And now I force myself to do things to just fight through the depression. And I know people say that I you know, and I've been on medicine in the past and stuff. But like, it's there. It's something that I'm going to have to deal with the rest of my life. And I know that if I drink, it actually gets worse. It's not as bad as it was when I was drinking right now. It's it's still definitely there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's just finding things that are mm, finding ways, different ways to deal with it. So like going on a walk or, uh, you know, picking up the phone and calling my sponsor or, you know, I've I've gone back and forth with the idea, throwing the idea around about getting back on medication. I don't think I currently want to, mm -hmm. but it's, you know, it's a, it's a journey. Like that's so, you know? Yeah. And I think quitting, I think what it does is, is removing alcohol from our life. It gives us a chance to address the depression. My episode 118 came out, I think February or March of 2017. I was really struggling with depression. If I had introduced alcohol to that equation, I would have had no chance of getting to the root cause or breaking through the depression today. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not depressed and even I'm almost coming up on four years of sobriety, but I had 0% chance of making it through that depression if I had alcohol and I'm really glad to hear that it's better. And then, you know, 102 days, that is fantastic, but it's, yeah, the, the further you go ahead, 
you know, the, the better it should get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Jody, we have reached the rapid fire round. If you could answer these questions within 30 to 60 seconds, that would be great. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Jody, number one, what was your worst memory from drinking? Mm. Worst memory is probably not having a memory from drinking. Blackouts. Yeah, and waking up and having to play detective mode. Because, uh, yeah, it's like I feel like I, I like woke up from a from a dream uh, a really bad nightmare. And Jody, we've all heard of the aha moment. When was your oh shit moment indicating that you can't control your drinking? I think like, we might have touched about this, but I just think that like probably when I realized that my only desire to go out, to leave my house at all was because I wanted to drink and I had to drink to have a desire to go out. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to pickle in my head yeah when uh jody how are you gonna get day 103 104 what's your plan in sobriety moving forward you know it's just like just like you hear everywhere else is one day at a time so you know i i uh i journal a lot and that helps me because like if i'm having a bad day i can go back and read those journal entries or check in in cafe re or just call my sponsor or see meetings so it's just like you know Putting all of those things in place and uh, setting up those tools and using those tools. <laughs> there you go. And what's your favorite resource in recovery? Cafe RE, honestly. I, I, uh, I was like making a, I was making a funny in my head, Paul. I was thinking, I was <laughs> like, oh man, I want a bumper sticker that says friends with Paul Churchill. <laughs> Stop. Ty, edit that part out, please. Just kidding. We'll, we'll keep it. But no, Jody is a, uh, like I see your post in Cafe RE and I read one one day and I'm like, I got to get this girl on the podcast. So thanks for being part of my sobriety. I use Cafe RE as a, as a recovery tool myself and it's awesome. So thank you for being such a great contributor to it. Yeah, in regards to sobriety, what's the best you've ever received? And what's the best sobriety I've ever received? Uh, I think so. <laughs> maybe, I, <laughs> maybe I read that question wrong. Again, I'm staring at your awesome podcasting setup. I'm really intimidated right now. <laughs> So just back off, Jody. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. Number five, in regards to sobriety, Jody, what's the best advice you've ever received? Oh, mm, don't beat yourself up if you fail. Because if you concentrate on your failures, you won't see the successes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, alcohol is going to kick your ass. You're going to need yourself on your own team. I know it sounds kind of strange. You're going to need that that self-compassion to, to move forward. Mm-hmm. And number six, what parting piece of guidance can you give to listeners who are in recovery or thinking about getting sober? Mm, tell your friends, tell everyone, tell your bartender, tell you, especially tell, like if you have to go to a bar and you know the bartender, tell them if you order a drink, tell them to punch you. <laughs> All right, burn the ships, Hernan Cortez style. Love it. Yeah, and before we go, Jody, give listeners your own customized. You might be an alcoholic if line. Mm. You might be an alcoholic if you lose your car and then you go to the police to have them help you find your car and they have to drive you to your car. The the champagne police have to drive you to your car and drop you off and you think it might be a trap. <laughs> there we go. I love them. I love them. That didn't even make sense. So unique. <laughs> Jody, thank you so much for joining us and thanks for being part of my sobriety. Yeah, thanks for being part of mine. Yeah. 
before we depart, I want to mention that Recovery Elevator has got a YouTube channel. I've actually uploaded a couple of videos in the past couple months, and it's a lot of fun. Check it out. Also, on the whiteboard of bucket list items for the Recovery Elevator project moving forward is partner with a soda water brand. I can only imagine at the next retreat we have, like pallets of soda water just getting delivered. It's going to be awesome. Is it going to happen? Well, I'd like to crowdsource. If you know somebody on the LaCroix or the Bubbly Soda Water marketing team, plant the seed. Let's make this happen together. Recovery Elevator, we took the elevator down. We got to take the stairs back up. We can do this.